Welcome to Stern Chats, the official student podcast of NYU Stern. We have a great guest today, James Kingham. Sherry, do you want to tell us a little bit more about him? Absolutely. James Kingham is the Director of Career Coaching at NYU Stern and is a centerpiece of Stern's Office of Career Development. James can do it all. As a blog writer and father of two, he makes time to help NYU Stern students get connected to their future careers while also pursuing his doctorate. There are a lot of great people in the Office of Career Development, and James is an absolute wizard who has coached over 2,000 MBA students over the course of his career. Now, in this episode, we had a little help. One of our new associate producers, Anthony Russ, is here and did a lot of background work to make this episode possible. Anthony, thanks for all your hard work. Yeah, my pleasure. It was great to get to know James a little bit better. So you've talked to James and some of his colleagues and the students he's helped coach, but what stands out to you most about James? The thing that stood out to me most was his commitment level was the first thing on everyone's mind. They said it was 100% no matter what. The fact that he can do that while balancing everything you mentioned before, uh, I think is very admirable. And he also brings a very genuine interest in the students and in seeing them be successful. So Anthony, before you were an associate producer for Stern Chats, what's your background? I grew up in New Jersey and went to college at Harvard where I played football and have been living up in Massachusetts for the last eight years. After school, I worked for a construction management company doing internal consulting type roles, helping them grow effectively. About a year ago, decided, you know, time to try something else, see some different industries, and that led me to business school. And investigating NYU Stern, I came across Stern Chats, and it seemed like another way to get involved and kind of push my boundaries a little bit, put myself in some different situations, and glad you guys have me. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Stern Chats, pushing your boundaries. Yeah. Sherry. Thanks so much for joining the team. Absolutely. Uh, New Jersey native, Harvard football player. What more do you want than an associate producer, Sherry? Absolutely. So I'm excited to start the show. What do you think? Should we get into it? Let's do it. Cue that music. University Stern Campus, this is Stern Chats, the podcast that tells the hidden stories between the lines of someone's resume. In the interest of serving the Stern community, building relationships, and unlocking important life lessons, we present these stories to a wider audience. Here with today's program are your hosts, Frank Ferricchio and Sherry Holt. Welcome to Stern Chats. We're here with James Kingham. James, thanks so much for coming. I am so excited to be here. You know, some people have called you the wizard of career development. I'm married to someone who's a huge Harry Potter fan, so I will take wizard uh, any day. And I am now also a huge Harry Potter fan, so I will take wizard for that reason, Fantastic. Too. And you have two beautiful little girls, and I'm sure that they're going to be really into Harry Potter, so their own dad oh. is a wizard. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's... Yes. That'll win you a lot of points with those two. I'm all about the folklore of parenting, so yeah. That's oh, good. great. Yeah. You weren't, so there was a play that they did last year called The Wizard of Stern, actually, here at NYU Stern. You weren't the wizard, though, I guess, right? You know, I can't remember. That was a folly sketch, right? Yeah, yes, it was, yeah. exactly. I think that Beth, my boss Beth from Bricks. OCD, was in it. Yeah. yeah, but I was not in it. Very Too sorry. Bad. Maybe, maybe <laughs> next year they can. If I could get in a folly sketch, and actually, I was in a folly sketch last year. 
But if I could do stern chats and follies in the same year, I would then just retire. That's double whammy. <laughs> I've, I've then accomplished it do all. Do you know? You know, uh, like uh, a triple play would be uh, stern chats, folly sketch, and oppie article. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> plug for the oppie. That'd be yeah. Great. Yeah. Oppie, the opportunity, the NYU Stern student newspaper. James, we know you here at Stern. We've seen you around, but for people that don't know you, can you give us like a sixty-second pitch? Sure, yeah, put me on the hot seat. So uh, I am Director of Career Coaching in the Office of Career Development at Stern. So I work with a full-time MBA students. Ironically, my career path has been a little bit more circuitous than students might think. So after college, I had a job at a university working for a researcher and had this epiphany where I realized that I loved working in universities and I loved helping people understand universities. So um, I got a job in Temple at Temple University in undergraduate admissions and basically never looked back. I've spent now my whole career in higher education, the last five of which have been in career development. And I love working in the university environment. And now it's been since I got my master's degree, I guess almost nine years, eight and a half years, I've been at Stern, first in admissions and now in career development, always with MBA students. Nine years? So That's almost 10 years, Sherry. <laughs> you just keep rounding You're... up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that in turn is almost 50 years. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. Hey, that's a great pitch. How do you like that we turn the tables on you? Because you are always telling us to practice our 60-second pitches. Mm-hmm. Turns out the man can stand up and deliver. <laughs> Thanks. No, I, it's like, I w- this is like one of those things I fear, that I would have to then like do my resume and like yeah, do a 60-second pitch. No. And, this like, is a low-key situation. Is that what you have nightmares about? You just have resume nightmares. <laughs> you just, <gasps> in the middle of the night. Oh, man. No, you know, it's like I, I used to hate public speaking. Like I used to be, like as a teenager, I was like, terrified of it but now I can I can do it like pretty easily but no like uh, yeah like I want you guys to know my not just the facts of my background but but what I can what I love about my job so what I love about this job is just that I get to come into work every day and just help students and that's that's my objective so James what would you say <laughs> what would you say you do here James yeah. <laughs> What I do here is try to just help students as much as I can. So we have, obviously, like many MBA programs, a variety of different offices that students work with when they come through, right? So you all applied to Stern and had many touch points with the admissions team. But what we do in the Office of Career Development, and I always say, like, we take the, we sort of take the handoff from the admissions office. So we're one of many teams that, once you're admitted, we become a big part of your, of your MBA experience. So what we do is we help students find the best fit for themselves among the different career paths and employers and job functions and industries that are out there. Um, what I do is I'm the director of the MBA, full-time MBA career coaching team. So my team is the, is the one that basically plans all of the stuff that goes into your career development minus employer relations. So we don't do, we have a separate team um, at, in the Office of Career Development does that. And so, yeah, everything from resume review all the way through to mock interviews and job offer negotiation, there's a big demand for all of those things at the MBA level, and we manage that whole program and everything in between. So I feel like you're the man to see as soon as you start thinking about your job here at Stern. Sherry, would you say that's that's accurate? Oh, absolutely. You you were the first. Actually, you were my first appointment at OCD and really set me off on the right track. And right. I'm super grateful for, for all of your help. And I know that a lot of my colleagues and peers here at NYU Stern feel the same way. And I think something that you note about OCD is that it's very much a partnership with the student body. So can you sort of expand on that relationship? Sure. Yeah. And just so for the listeners, should we say the Office of Career Development, OCD, when you are in the Stern 
community and in the MBA program, you need to know acronyms, and that's probably across all of higher education. So OCD is what we call the Office of Career Development. Do you think we um, could just like add another like word to that name so we don't <laughs> have to call it OCD anymore? Because when you start changing stuff, then all of the alumni that have come before you, then they say, wait, what, you know, and they'll, they'll start talking about OCD. And then when they talk to you as current students, they're going to say, go see OCD. And you're going to say, what, you know, what's the deal there? Um, but we, we love OCD. And yeah, the partnership, your question, sorry, I lost my shit. I'm like really nervous right now. Oh my what's God. there to be nervous I'm about? So, I'm like, I'm like, Just talking to your two you're favorite students. So well. well, I, so I think I feel like we're like live on air, but we're obviously not. So I'm oh, like, no. I'm like, no, well, first of all, before we get to the question, there's nothing to be nervous about. You're talking to Sherry and Frank, your I two know. favorite students in all of Stern. Remember when I like, come into your office and tell you yeah, yeah. that I have no idea what I want to do with my life? That's, like, that's nerve-wracking. The most confused. Well, well, that's the weird thing. It's like I feel like I am really extroverted with students, and I'm totally, I never get nervous. But now I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, there's this audience I don't know, and I can't. Like, I don't know. It's like looking across the ta- table at, like, a one student or two students or whatever or, like, doing a workshop, I can do that. But now it's, like, this mythical or this, like, imaginary audience out there that's, like, making me yeah. nervous. But anyway. Well, let me I want to get pe- back to your question. Well, let me give you yeah. a pep talk. Let me give you a pep talk. It pales in comparison to <laughs> wanting to get a job and not knowing what to do and walking yeah. into your office. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, you'll be okay. And look, this, this right, room. Exactly. Look, we decorated it for you. It's got a nice, soft, purple hue. We got some it's lights It's a beautiful going. room. It's so cozy. Like, you're yeah, going to sink right room. in, James. I, I love it like... already. I love it so much. <laughs> no, so the partnership with the student body, yes. <clears throat> like, I'm just, like, the fact that you invited me in as a career coach, as an administrator, and I know you've had other administrators, Connor, Diana on the show, like just speaks volumes, I think, about what we've been able to cultivate at NYU Stern, and particularly with the MBA program in creating a mutually um, sort of collaborative relationship with students so that every class of students that comes in feels like they have a voice and they're able to shape the community. That holds true for career services as well. You know, I've thought a lot about career services and the history of career services through higher education and it's not always seen as like a collaborative process. It's seen as like, okay, there's, maybe it's called, people think of it as placement, like transactional. You go in and you give the resume and you get a job. Yeah, like it happens to you. It doesn't happen to you. And, and that, that's not our philosophy. And I'm, that's actually, I'm, I'm happy to say across all MBA programs, our, our peer programs, that's not the way we view career services. It's, it's much more of a joint production of knowledge. It's a much more customized process. We really do want to get to know as many individual students as possible. We don't require every single student to come and meet with us one-on-one, but we do require at Stern all of our MBA students to go through a series of programs. And I think through those programs and through the level of responsiveness that students see, um, that they see that we operate with, they realize it is a sort of a, it's a joint creation. So we can have really cool programs and, and initiatives that are unique to Stern, but that that are in keeping with that kind of partnership model, like the networking nights and things that we've had in lieu of traditional career fairs, for instance, is one is one example. Um, but that's why I love the job is it's it allows me to collaborate both with my colleagues but also with students. So when students come in, you know, we write all of these essays and we do a lot of self exploration yeah. prior to coming to Stern, and we say, you know, I want to run my own restaurant group, which is actually something that I said in my <laughs> in my essay coming into school. Right. And and then I get here and yeah. then there's and I we are all confronted with so many incredible opportunities, which lands us in a seat across from you in your office saying, What do we do? Yep. So what is your approach to somebody like me who, you know, mm-hmm. eight months ago was in your office saying, you know, pulling my hair out, what do I do? What how do I mm-hmm. sort through all of these issues? 
It's a good question. And let me just say how fun it is. Like, you know, in another life, I don't know if you guys would ever want to work in higher education, but if you could ever work as an admissions officer and just read the essays and like interview the students and read the recommendation letters, it's amazing. I mean, every single student that applies to Stern and certainly everyone that gets in is like so impressive, so humbling. And then to be a career coach to those brilliant individuals is like very humbling. So what I usually do is like I would tell someone like you, you know, you have, you're now in, you're now accepted to Stern. So whatever you said in your essays, don't worry about it. Like you, <laughs> you can change your mind. We're not holding you to that anymore. And I'm sort of only half joking. I think that students feel like they have to do exactly what they said they were going to do, not just in their essays, but they feel like they made promises to themselves, to the admissions committee, to the school, to their loved ones, that they're going to an MBA, to enroll in an MBA, to do X, right? And what I try to convey to students is that you do have time to explore Nothing is set in stone. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing. But when you first start, it you get the impression that you there are certain career paths that everyone is doing. Everyone seems to be wearing a suit and going to such com- you know, such and such company's presentation. And my job is to let you know that, okay, this fire hose is not going to go off anytime soon. It's going to stay on. But you have resources here, career coaches, peers, alumni, faculty, other staff and other administrative offices who can help you sort of modulate the flow and decide what is true for you and what you really want to make out of your MBA experience. That's um, a nice, that, like, that's a nice calming thing to tell somebody. Yeah, like yeah. that, I don't know if I've been on the, re- I probably have been on the receiving end of that mm-hmm. conversation. But for those of you that haven't, you just got it digitally now. <laughs> Congratulations. But you, so you well, didn't, but you didn't start in the Office of Career Development, no, right? You no. Didn't... After graduate school, I came to CERN. It was a total networking story. There's a dean of, stu- former dean of students who I think Diana also mentioned in her podcast, this guy, Gary Frazier, great, great uh, person. And I was able to find out more about Stern and the MBA community. And I don't have a business background. So full disclosure to all the listeners, like my undergraduate degrees in psychology, my master's is in education. So I got my start in the admissions office, loved that job. But then what I realized was that what I was missing, and this is, I'm, I'm breaking all the rules because I always tell my students, don't say but or however, or like what was missing. I love the job and... I realized that I also loved working with students. And as you progress in the admissions world, the opportunities to work with current students are, are few and far between, right? So I had a great opportunity to join the Office of Career Development, and that was f- about five years ago. Wow, that's interesting. I never thought about that. As an admissions officer, mm-hmm. you really got to learn to love somebody as a candidate. And then, mm-hmm. like when you love anything, Sherry, you got to let it go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you like working in higher education, like, I think like working in any any role in education, whether it's K through 12, whether it's higher ed, like you every year fall in love with a whole class of, of students and whether you're the admissions team that inter- that admitted them and you're very proud of this class, whether you're a career coach like me and you, and you work with the students and help them be successful, the cycle goes so fast. And you know, every year now we have 400 new amazing individuals who are who are undergoing an, an incredible two-year experience the most fun i always say like mba is so much fun but also very a lot of pressure and so it's a different kind of job than admissions work i think equally important like i've thought about this a lot like every office within a university administration is so important and but the career development role is very unique um, in that you're dealing with both the incredible talents and the successes of students but also some of the setbacks and some of the disappointments and some of the pressure, not just 
again, self-induced, you know, some, in many cases, pressures of people who expect you to succeed in a certain way. So, but imagine going to work every day. And yeah, I do a lot of emailing and spreadsheets and things like that. But like half of my day, at least, is just talking to smart students one-on-one. Well, you're good at it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, so you get such an influx of students every year. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find yourself comparing different years and saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, this, you know, the previous year had these qualities. And oh, this Sherry. Year. <laughs> you know what she's doing? Hold on. Mm-hmm. Before you walk into like a trap. She, what she's, she's fishing, she fishing for a for compliment. Yeah. She's, you're fishing was for, I? You are 100%. Wait, I didn't even know I was you're doing that. For, yeah, you want, cause you, cause what's he supposed to say? He's sitting here in the room. He said he's nervous. Now he's going to be like, well, of course. The graduating <laughs> class of 2018 is the finest is in the all the lands. By the way, I'm, I'm getting less. You guys are so good at this. I'm getting less nervous. Like I, I'm starting to <laughs> that's good. I'm starting to feel like I'm, I'm coming to my own here. Yeah, that's great. I, okay, can I talk seriously for a second? And now, first, let me say something really, really sincere, which is, again, I mentioned this, like, this podcast. Such an awesome probably my favorite student initiative that's been done since I've been at Stern. So as much as I can say like superlatives like that, like this is the best thing I've ever seen, you know, like you fall into that. You don't want to fall into the trap of comparing students to one another, individuals or classes to one another, because then you start to, um, you get into, you get into this cyclical pattern where you say, well, I think maybe this year's MBA, first year MBA students, for example, are more stressed out than the previous year. And then next year, guess what? Oh, this year, this year's first year MBAs are less stressed out. And then you realize there's actually a cyclical pattern. So I've stopped trying to do that and compare from year to year and we just try to make our programming and the best that we can and support students the best we can from year to year and not try to compare now you could obviously take data employment data or whatever you you can obviously make very quantitative comparisons from year to year but when it comes to the qualitative aspects of a class I, I used to do that and I haven't even been at Stern as long as other people have but over time, I've realized it's kind of a trap when you start comparing class. Yeah, to class that's got to be that's got to be really challenging. Um, but but you guys are an incredible. I mean, let me just say the class of 2018 is an amazing yes. group of human beings. Congratulations! And for the dual degree students, some of whom are class of 2019, obviously the incoming class of 2000 fall 2017 or whatever. James the politician. There you I go, got Sherry. My compliment. You got the compliment. Got my compliment. Sometimes <laughs> if you throw a beautiful net, you'll catch beautiful things. Good job, Sherry. Well, well I want to take I want to take it back for a second to yeah. m- maybe we'll get into our Stern Chats time machine. Yeah, Sherry, go ahead and uh, just open the door there. Yeah, bundle up Sounds everybody. Exciting. I, Back to the Future was on TV a couple nights ago. That's great. When I was up with uh, the baby and I was like watching the first original Back to the Future, and I was like, "This is so cool." Yeah, we'll, we'll make you. Machine. Let's just pretend you're Marty McFly. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna go into the Stern Chats time machine, and we want to cycle back to before you got here to the Office of Career Development, before you were in admissions. Whoa. Yeah, way, way back, man. Before we wanna... you looked like Simon Baker of The Mentalist, which. I found out is your true. celebrity doppelganger. It's so true. What? It is so true. We're gonna do a side by side comparison oh on M- Instagram, gosh. and I am so pumped. I'm yes, flattered. That but, is flattering. Yeah. Well, okay. So if you just heard that and you're like, "Who's Simon Baker?" Give it a Google, or you can go on the Stern Chats Instagram and just look at some pictures we posted at James Kingham, and you'll be like, "Whoa, Sherry was totally right." This you should do awesome. a side by side. I will. But we're still in the time machine. We've got no internet in the time machine. And we're going to go back to a time when James is a younger James, mm. and he is looking at a mentor that taught him a whole bunch of stuff and made him want to be the guy he is today in the Office of Career Development. Did you have anyone that was formative in the career that you chose or is like a role model for you? That's so funny. You know, you're not the first person to ask me about specific role models, and like I don't want to cop out and tell you that it's like an amalgam of important individuals, but like my gut is telling me that's that's the answer, which is, you know, I could point to people like my dad, hardest 
you know, works the works harder than anyone I've, I've ever known. My older brother, who, like, in terms of athletics, was a big mentor to me. And I remember, like, I think I got cut from the varsity basketball team or something, and he would suddenly say something really nice and inspiring, like, you know, you are, you know, you've accomplished a lot in your life. Don't compare yourself to others, things like that. I could point to, like I mentioned earlier, Gary Frazier, someone who was like instrumental in helping me get access to the Stern community and find out uh, more about the Stern community. But there isn't any like particular person that I would say is like my, like when you ask me like my mentor, like who, who it would be. But it's so important. And I always tell my students, like, you can't just sit in a vacuum and make decisions about your career. You, you have to call upon people who know you well and know your strengths. And as I'm just thinking about everything I just said, like there's so many people who have been important in my life who I've left out of that. You know, I think that I look, I look to my immediate family and I look to my friends and I look to my former uh, classmates as a huge source of, of support. Your family, I mean, Sherry and I were talking before we came in here about your family because uh, Anthony Russ, our associate producer, did some great background on your family and just oh, like you and your background. Yeah. And Sherry, I mean, would you say like his international background with his family kind of stands out. Am I right? Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So um, I always say it's like less interesting than it sounds for me personally, but I think my family is like such a source of inspiration. So I, my dad, I, I think I mentioned earlier, is from England and my mom is from like New, Eng- New England. From oh, Mass- so just double England. Yeah, exactly. Old England, New England. So yeah, and they, and they were like, they were college students in like the early 60s and then they both happened to move around the world. My dad is an engineer by training, and he was working on, he's an electrical engineer, was working on power plants and cool stuff, and ended up in Singapore. My mom, meanwhile, had ended up in Singapore through teaching. She was a teacher, and they just happened to meet each other there. And that's where I was born, in Singapore. You were born in Singapore? I was born in Singapore. And um, that's like my fun, my go-to fun fact. Oh, Um, that's like Everyone needs one. Yeah. Exactly. Like when you stand up, like who you are, where you're from, and your fun fact, that's your third thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. But it's it's not as interesting as it sounds for me personally because I don't have memories of it and I don't have any tie to the country. But um, what it does point to is like this sort of this global family that I have and, 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 and I ended up growing up in South Florida and then, and then suburban Philadelphia, but all of my family is so international. I have three older siblings, all of whom have done master's degrees overseas, England, Australia, and Lebanon, uh, the American University of Beirut. My oldest brother got his master's there. They are all, two of my siblings are married to people from overseas. So I have uh, in-laws now in Germany and Lebanon and around the world. And I'm sort of the boring one. I never moved You're further from... You're not the boring one. I never moved further from like <laughs> than like three hours from home or whatever, but it's such a big part in growing up as the youngest of four children with a kind of international family. We did a lot of traveling. I mean, it was really fortunate. Family vacations were a big... And this is like in this in the 80s, you know, like family vacations were... Got in the station wagon. There was no distractions. There's no iPads or, you know, oh. like, iPhone, like, you know, you went and we were all together on these really you know, amazing vacations in, you know, Europe or what other places we go. I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but... Um, Connecticut. Yeah. Connecticut. Something, <laughs> right. Something is yeah. exotic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's a big part of my identity. And also my, I would say my, my, my mother was a English as a second language teacher until she retired several years ago. And so that was, and we had exchange students in our house. She was like, she's always been such, so interested in anyone who's not from her background. Like she is so intellectually curious and always introducing herself to people and finding out more about their personal story and their nationality. And she's teaching herself Mandarin Chinese now. And we always had maps in our house growing up. And our placemats at our dinner table were maps. And we were always like 
getting quizzed on you know world capitals and state capitals. Don't quiz me now, please. No, um, <laughs> I couldn't anyway. Yeah. But uh, it was like I, w- I was always taught that like to not have a U.S. centric, you know, ego that there's much more out there to discover. And I think my parents had kind of a free-range parenting approach, right? Like if we went traveling, they didn't expect us to call every day or every week. So you were like a free-range kid. Somewhat, I think, especially compared to now. Like having two kids now, I can tell you, like there's a lot of, you know, you're always trying to think, are we... Don't go more than ten feet away from me, kind of yeah. thing. But if you, I ever went on a trip, I they wouldn't expect me to call every day or every week. It was like you know, go explore, and and I think that's been a huge like guiding philosophy f- that was like from an early age was part of my family. So it's really interesting that you you grew up in this international household. You moved from South Florida to Southern Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and then you attended a Quaker high school. That's right. Which I told I told Anthony about that. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I I don't think we've had anybody with that background here on Stern mm-hmm. Chats, and we'd love to hear sure. what that was like and and what you've learned and and take with you now. Yeah. So I growing up as much as you know global cultures and travel and, and, you know, and being aware of the world is a big part of our, our value system. Religion was not a, was not a part of our family. We, you know, we, we were not a religious family. And then I went to, I went to public school in actually Northeast of Philadelphia, the um, uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, for any listeners who are from uh, Pennsylvania. And then after eighth grade, I had an opportunity to go to a private school, private high school, which was a tremendous opportunity. And one of the best local private schools was a Quaker school. And I'm not sure if any if you guys are familiar with Quakers or Quaker schools. I don't think I don't it's, think it's sort of like saying I went to a Jesuit university or something. And so like in, like some Quaker schools and like Haverford College or other colleges out there you may have heard of have a Quaker sort of um, history. And the high school I went to was a Quake had Quaker roots and you see that a lot in southeastern Pennsylvania. That's sort of like the history of, of Pennsylvania, William Penn and everything, which I'm po- I'm probably butchering the history, but um Quakers basically have friends friends schools around the world. So have you ever heard of like, you see like, you know, there's a friends school, friends seminary or whatever in, in New York City. And basically what Quakers, Quakers have a lot of beliefs and it's, it's, it's um, related to Christianity in some ways. But essentially, it, you know, they believe in, in tolerance, simplicity, peace, community. All good things. Um, and looking back, I was so lucky because I was just like any other eighth grader, like really absent-minded and, oh, cool, I get to go to this awesome private school. But looking back, it was such a huge part of my formative years, ninth through twelfth grade, to go into a school where they don't rank students. No rank. No class rank. There is no. They avoid doing big individual awards like valedictorian or things like that. It's more about what you should be doing for the community and your peers. So we had peer groups. We would, you know, tenth graders would help ninth graders um, adjust to high school life and. Everyone was on a first name basis, so we would call the head of the school by his first name, just like you would call a new ninth grader by their first name. And then we, they had a mandatory community service and co-op requirement where you would contribute to the school in some way. So I, of course, being absent-minded, forgot to sign up for the co-op, and so I ended up with like quote unquote the worst job, which was actually the best job, which was like going around school raking leaves and emptying trash cans and clearing up brush and stuff like that. What were the other ones that you could have had? Was one of them like um, playing with dolphins or something? One of them, yeah, the other ones were like, you know, you could you could serve food at the in the lunch line or Oh, that's a good you one. You would you would, you know, you would be doing something that was more like you'd check students into events or, you know, like you had to have a shift every week that you would do and that was your co-op experience. And that's so, a great that's a great system. It what was, an inventive I, way yeah. to build community. That's yeah. incredible. So I would encourage you anyone out there, you know, look at friends friends schools. Friends schools usually are like anywhere from K through 8 to high school, but what I left there with was a feeling like 
I wanted to achieve a lot in my life, but it wasn't important to me that I achieve a lot at the expense of others. And it wasn't important to me that I have the most prestigious, you know, insert whatever here, you know. Well, that's and, that's different than here. That's that's different than an MBA. <laughs> you know, how do you, I mean, that? I wonder that's how. It's funny you say that because I think I, you know, when I first considered, okay, there's an MBA program that's hiring for admissions. I thought, well, this, you know, is this MBA culture going to be something that I'm that I'm compatible with because I'm coming from a psychology background and this friends school, high school, you know, um, experience. But what I found here was that a lot of the same values exist, right? Community, supporting one another, rolling up your sleeves and doing the hard work. Uh, and Dean Henry talks about this a lot, right? Like you have to master the fundamentals and do the small things right if you want to have the big picture successes in life. Um, Everything he says, I, I listen to. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you told me that Dean Henry had gone to like a friends school, I would I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't, you know, and but that's that's true for so many. And he, I don't think he did, but that's true for so many people in this community, which is I have to say is a pleasant surprise. Like I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't come to CERN thinking, okay, I'm going to evaluate every single aspect of the culture before I come in and work here. But that's one reason I think I've I've been here long so long, and so many administrators have is like that. Just they've done a good job of inculcating that sense of support into the community. And a sense of like the good of the whole above the good of the individual type of thing. So I encourage everyone to research Quakerism and friend schools more because I'm not, I'm only touched on like a small shred of sort of the philosophy. Yeah, give that a Google, everybody. So you're pulling together a lot of loose ends for us. Because I've listened to every single podcast and I'm like, (laughs) as I'm like calling upon my like, you know. No, we appreciate it. But but in reading about your background, Mm -hmm. in interacting with you personally, you bring in the sense of humanity. That is exactly the topic of one of your blog posts on LinkedIn, which is a wonderful platform for you to explore Mm -hmm. your writing, which you are, by the way, extremely good at. Excellent writer. Really enjoy reading reading your posts. And there's one post called Bringing Humanity into Your Job Search. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think that you bring to light a lot of the compassion and empathy that you try to foster here mm-hmm. at Stern. So tell us a little bit about your blog and why it's important to you. Sure, yeah. I love writing. Um, I think I've always, you know, you go through a typical education system and you think writing is only something you do when you're writing papers and getting a grade. And when I was a master's student in my in an education program, one of my professors said, oh, you, you know you're a really good writer. And other people along, you know, throughout my career have told me that I should uh, consider writing more. And then just recently, I just decided to take advantage of this platform. So what LinkedIn allows me to do is publish these articles and share some of my thoughts because from year to year, a lot of these thoughts kind of go to the cutting room floor to use like a podcast metaphor or a yeah. metaphor. Um, a lot Just of the, antiquated though because we're, there's no actual tape now. There's digital, there's, the digital floor. Yeah, the right? digital floor. Yeah. It doesn't exist. So I thought I should start to just get my thoughts in writing. And it's a fun, pl- I mean, I have to say, like, it's a fun platform because you can see this, how far your message is getting out, much like the podcast, I assume. Yeah. Where Why wait of, for them to come out now? I mean, yeah. I know you're writing them, and when they pop up, I'm oh, like, oh. thank you. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm long overdue because of the, the birth of my second child recently. I have how to get back dare into it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have to get back into it. But um, thanks for bringing it up. I do think that one of the main messages I try to tell students is everything is going to be okay with your job search. Everything, you know, you're going to be, you've been a successful human being and you made it into an academic program like NYU Stern. Everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to work out. And, but one of the best things you can do along the way is bring humanity to everything you do and do, like I said earlier, do the small things right. Yeah, writing for me has been a chance to 
just get some of like enjoy it enjoy writing and not not doing it for a grade and not doing it because someone else told me to do it doing it and writing what I want to write and it's been very it's been a great creative expression and a great sort of release for me and uh, something that I've been able to do typically when I'm commuting home on the train just kind of like you know, get some some blog posts out there but I'm glad that you read it and I'm glad you like it, it I, I want it to be accessible to a wide range of audiences not just MBA students yeah you know you write some stuff in there that I think is really important I mean it seems like you have some like non-negotiable values that mm-hmm. you're writing about some things you feel really strongly about right you know which to me the one that stands out the most would be um, the expressing the gratitude yep. can you talk about why you think it's important for MBA students to express gratitude mm-hmm. I think that when when the stress dial gets dialed up to 11. And when, you know, some of the pressures I mentioned earlier that you might have for whatever reason to succeed and, and, and um, you know, get the most out of your MBA experience. And I think that just like any stressful process, one of the things that tends to sometimes fall by the wayside is just that those small expressions of gratitude. And, you know, we have a leadership development program that does a lot on mindfulness and topics like that. But just taking advantage of those opportunities to let people know that you helped them. I'm sorry, that they that they helped you and express gratitude. It doesn't always have to be a thank you note or a thank you email. It could just be in passing. You let someone know how much you appreciated their effort on insert, you know, thing here. Yeah, one of the things that occurred to me was like there's non-obvious ways to say thank you or, or times to say thank you. And just if you can sprinkle in a few times in your day where you let someone know they did they they helped you or they did a great job and say thank you, you, you know, you, like what goes around comes around. And I think those are the small moments of your day, of your year, of your month or whatever that can make you feel better and make other people feel really happy too. So just letting someone know that, that, that they helped you is a huge thing that's often over. And I've been guilty of that in the past. I look back at all the conversations I've had with alumni or, or mentors or students even, and I forget to say thank you at the end of at the end of the conversation or later and so it's something that we all can work on but yeah I thought it was worth sharing with a broader audience yeah well I mean uh, I mean I read it and I feel like I learned something every Mm -hmm. time there's another one that stood out that me and Sherry were talking about before we came in here which is about saying no you know which is hard I mean Sherry's in a lot of clubs Mm -hmm. here she does a lot of things I'm always telling her I should have you know what I did say no to a couple things in order to focus on stern shots this semester (laughs) please tell the audience (laughs) no but it's it's really it is important Mm -hmm. to you know your limits. I think, you know, your first year, we're all encouraged to squeeze every ounce of stern out of the experience, which mm-hmm. means really involving ourselves in, you know, five to ten activities. Mm-hmm. And then you get to your second year and you start to distill down what you really want and what you really like. Mm-hmm. And and you start integrating no into your vocabulary. <laughs> so yeah. what is it about that word that's so powerful? Yeah, so if you look at the MBA calendar, the events calendar that you have access to and all the different emails you get inviting you to do things. I mean, you know, my office and my team's always inviting you to do 10 different things at 10 different times. If you if you try to do everything, then you're going to do everything at a kind of a, a low level or a low level of success, right? Most people have a certain limit cognitively, but also energy, like physically. Um, and I'm sure you guys can all attest that, you know, you want to bring your best self to everything that you do. And so as you mature in your career, and I think I think this is one of the big career development skills, and it's something that we try to impart too, is just learning that you can't be everywhere, everywhere at once. You can't be everywhere at once, but you want to, if you do make a commitment, to follow through on it. So it's equally important to say yes as it is to say no. Um, and I've learned that myself. Like earlier in my career at Stern, and I had fewer commitments outside of work, 
I would be able to go to every single evening event or club conference or club event. And you do feel like you're missing out if you're not at every event or at every guest speaker or at every panel. But um, it's just a fact of life. You, you can't be everywhere at once. So, like, I just saw a student on the PATH train yesterday, and I was like, oh, you're going home already. He's like, what do you mean? It's been a long day. And so I caught myself in this, you know, I, I felt like suddenly I'd accused him of not doing enough. But here I am, you know, so I, we have to remember that. Is that person me? Because I see on the PATH train <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Frank, it's like, it's like I'm starstruck every time I see Frank. On. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. You are the only the person that, that talks to me on the PATH, actually, as far as, like... Uh, we should talk about that, because what is your philosophy on talking to... Like, what is... You know, one thing, as, you, as a commuter, you learn that, like, okay, if you see someone you know, sometimes you just kind of play it cool and don't necessarily try to have a conversation. Yeah. With you, I could just tell. I was like, Frank, Frank's going to be cool with this. If I if I talk to Frank the entire time yeah. on the commute, he's not going to mind. Yeah, so Sherry um, knows this. Here's why, here's why you observe that. Because <laughs> I have a very strict do not talk to me while I'm commuting policy. I put my headphones in. I'm just, like, yes. doing my thing. But if I see somebody and I make the decision, like, there's going to be a conversation, I yeah, know it's, like, no half measures. Mm-hmm. You you know. I think you I'm, and I both looked at each other and we're like, are we going to do this? Are we going to make this a social? <laughs> we're talking. And I, I actually, I will usually ask someone's permission. Like if I'm leaving the building and there's a student who's walking in the same direction I am or like even a colleague, I'll be like, can we, are we going to do this? We're going to walk together or, you know, like. <laughs> but what are they going to say? No. Yeah. Leave uh, okay. me alone. Oh, well, yeah. learning to say no. Maybe they were on their way to something. Right. 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 Well, speaking of saying no and. Mm-hmm opening up time in your life, it yes. allows you to spend more time with your family. Yep. You and your wife just had another yes. beautiful baby daughter. Tell us about your family, your wife, and your two kids. Oh my gosh, yeah, where do I start? It's just the most amazing source of support and like joy to have a family. And I say that with understanding that like everyone defines family differently. So my family happens to be, you know, my wife, Lauren, and two daughters who are going to be three. One, my oldest will be three soon. And the uh, the youngest is a month yesterday. It's just amazing. Like having a human being look at you and ask you questions and being able to have a life outside of work with people that you love and the community that you live in that you love. And it's the most incredible experience and like the best role I've ever played for sure. You, you love know. being a dad. Oh, I love, I love dadding, as we say. We turn it, in, we, we turn it into, a, we turn <laughs> everything it into can a be verb. a verb. <laughs> of dadding. No, actually, a friend of mine, a friend of our, my wife and, and mine, sort of said, "Oh, James is going to be like really good at dadding," you know. And it, yeah. like, ever since then, it's always stuck in my mind. But like, yeah, just this morning, wake my daughter up, start getting re- her ready for daycare, and she, I'm like, "Oh, it's cold outside. We got to put on your warm clothes." And she's like. It's almost winter time. Like and just like little things like that. that <laughs> so cute. That's the first time I've ever heard her like construct that particular sentence that way. Like you know, just the little questions you get throughout the day, and it's just and it's such a good important reminder of like what's important in life. You know, when you're stressed or things like I would say everyone should have a life outside of outside of school and outside of work. People that they that provide them comfort and like a role that you play that's not just you know professional or not just student or yeah you got to balance it because i mean you say like you gotta say no to things but you're Mm -hmm. also working on your doctorate i mean you're a busy guy you know yeah yeah it's it's right now it's 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 like the last five or six years of my life i definitely had a lot on my plate but so i've actually my next blog post which i if i'm disciplined enough i'll publish it soon is about sort of like the kinship i feel with mba students right now which is more than i ever have just because of what i've got going on being in a part-time doctoral program 
and having two kids and and having a job that's demanding but that I love and I want to make sure that I'm always doing my job really well and serving students really well. It is, but it, like I wouldn't change anything. And I, I hope that some future years are a little less busy, but um, I know that, that I can't let the busyness, and I, I, I encourage all of my students, don't let the day-to-day stress or things interrupt your ability to be like mentally present for people in your life that matter to you. And so that's something I try to do on a daily, weekly basis is just make sure that I'm not like, as Dean Henry would say, like big-timing anyone, you guys or colleagues or my family, and making sure that you know, my problems or whatever my stresses don't outweigh my obligation to be like a good friend and a good you know colleague and a good husband and father. So it's been an awesome experience, though, being a dad. And I have the most amazing partner, wife, Lauren. She's great. So if you leave that in, I would appreciate that because she is like... Yeah, just go ahead and say something, say something to Lauren. Give her more than three no, seconds. No, I, I think like she... So Lauren and I met totally serendipitously. And um, in the West Village, we were both living in New York City. And uh, it just was, it was like meant to be, you know, like both of us. We've kind of led parallel lives for a long time. We've had weird things in common, like hometowns and things like that. But she is like the most supportive person and like the most organized and the most driven and like uh, like impressive person and uh like i don't think i tell her that enough but in it's just you know some someone who like who has changed my life for the better uh, and I think that's what you would hope for in any marriage, right? But like, um, Sherry loves this stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. I like so fawning happy. over this segment. <laughs> so sweet. Well, I was, I've been telling her like I'm going to be on this podcast. She's like, "Are you going to share personal stuff?" And I was like, "Oh no, I'm not sharing your social security number." But if I say really sappy things or really you know warm and fuzzy things, I think that's okay. But well, yeah, it's well, great. I tell you what, we have looked forward to this for a really long time, and you've come in and you've said a lot of stuff. You said it all. I mean. <laughs> The, wiz- the wizard of I don't OCD. want it to be over. No. It, I know. I have one more question. <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead, Sherry. It's, this is a, a really quick one. Mm-hmm. What is your karaoke go-to? Because we hear that you are quite the karaoke singer. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So I couldn't talk about Lauren and without talking about karaoke because at our wedding, the after-after party was karaoke. We both loved karaoke. So you always have to make sure you're compatible with someone on many levels, and the fact that we happen to share karaoke as a passion. No, I mean, I seriously, like, birthdays and things, like, whenever we get a chance, like, karaoke is one of our go-to, like, things that we do together with with our friends. Um, I'm, like, if you, I mean, and she's going to kill me for saying this because it's it's not her favorite artist, but, like, just Tenacious D is my, my thing. <laughs> I, Great. Want to rip a couple you want to hear me, no, like, no. Wonder Boy. You've, you've oh. heard Wonder Boy, right? If it wasn't for copyright infringement, I would totally put that. I'm not going to sing anything, and I'm not going to glorify the sort of like fraternity mock rock of Tenacious D. But I will say, I get a lot of joy out of just like Jack Black, and I feel like Jack Black is someone who is like one of my favorite celebrities of all time because he's just so silly. But also, he has an amazing singing voice. I'm not sure if you knew that. So he's the front oh, sure. man of Tenacious. Oh, no, yeah, D. I've seen it. And like, I just for whatever reason, I just love singing Tenacious D songs in karaoke, but um, I do other things too, but anyway. Well, you know what? I think, James, that we have discovered the another alternate third thing you can say when you're introducing <laughs> yourself, that Jack yes. Black is your spirit animal. That would be a really interesting, like, last resume bullet point. Like, yeah, throw other, it in there. Other information. Like, if I had a Stern MBA resume, that would definitely be on there. Cool, man. Well, I tell you what. This has been fantastic. You are an amazing guy. We love working with you here. Students really appreciate all the things that you do. Thanks for sharing all your stuff. Thanks for getting in the time machine, telling us about wow. your early life. Wow. 
I hope you had it's, fun, James. It's, it's been so much fun, and the fact that you guys followed through and actually like let me come on here is just means a lot to me because not only from me but also from the entire administration, like the, that you're featuring or asking us to share our perspectives. Like is just an, yet again another reason why I think this is such an awesome initiative. So thank you, seriously, uh, gratitude. You know, thank you so much, guys. It's been so much fun. Yeah. The feeling is definitely mutual. Thank you for everything, and thank you for guiding our entire class along with your team to success. And we wouldn't uh, be graduating with all the knowledge without you guys. So yeah. thank you. We all, I mean, every, and every single person in the office, I would say, just loves working with students. And so I hope that all the students who are listening out there will come in and continue to meet with us and have conversations with us and see how we can help you be successful. Did you have fun? So much fun. Thank goodness. Oh my gosh. We love it when you yes, have fun. Yes, I did. All right. Well, hey, James, we'll see you around school. Sounds good. Thank you guys.